Who's ready to talk about another loss? I am. Shit is so annoying, man. I just, it's, you know, I don't know. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. Let's talk next episode 442. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world! All right, welcome to the show, episode 442. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Damn it. And this is episode 442. I just said that. Welcome to BD4. You know all that stuff. I'll save you. I'll spare you. The Knicks lost again last night, and um, they fell to 9-11 and on the season. They lost to Memphis, the Grizzlies, 127-123 at Madison Square Garden. And with that loss, they now are finished playing the Grizzlies for the year. They won 0-2. You know, they competed in both games. Uh, the one on opening night went to overtime, <clears throat> and last night they showed some great fight as well. But oh boy, am I am I so not doing that? Like I am no, I am so over the moral victory garbage. Um, it sucks because the Knicks did everything right offensively. It felt like I mean, you'd think in a game at least where the Knicks dished out a very respectable thirty assists and only had eight turnovers, you think, you know, that'd be good enough for a win that was probably the best ratio they'll see all season still they lose and why Uh, a few things well first off uh, as we keep saying uh, another day without a superstar meanwhile John Morant drops a very casual 27 14 10 last night Uh, the Knicks also continued to struggle from three-point distance they were 33 percent last night which for them is is better but there were also some droughts in there. Uh, but most importantly, it was also another day where the Knicks surrender 120-something points. That is now six times this season where they've allowed that many, 120-plus. And most of that has been lately just pathetic. They came out looking strong. I mean, they had tons of energy in the first quarter. The offense was generating great looks. RJ and Quickly had a couple of baskets each in the first quarter. The defense played with a lot of effort. Uh, The Knicks went up one point after the opening frame. Second quarter was more the same. The offense was moving, a lot of great cuts and feeds. The defense stayed strong, kept improving even. Um, RJ stayed hot. Randall got it going in the second. 
Grimes checks in and he's you know moving off the ball and setting good screens up top. Cam is doing his thing. The Knicks go into halftime down by just two points. Um, but they were a, a, a very repulsive three for 16 from deep at the time. So the three-point shooting continues to haunt the Knicks. It's something that's, I mean, I guess they just don't have the personnel. But there are guys on this roster who are supposed to be better than what they've been so far from three and aren't doing that yet. Uh, but they shoot 19% from three in the first half. But the second half, I will say, the shooting did improve. Um, but, you guessed it, as the shooting improved in the second half, the defense dropped off. Uh, the third quarter of Doom strikes once again, again, again. As the Knicks, they scored enough in the period, they just simply didn't D up enough. They were a step slow in the paint. The Grizzlies just kept using their speed and their extra high tempo pace to get into the paint and pace the Knicks out the damn gym. Um, the Knicks go into the fourth, down 10 points all of a sudden, and needing a, a sizable comeback. And the fourth quarter defense wasn't much better. The offense was actually the best it had been for the majority of the fourth quarter. But it doesn't matter when you defend like a traffic cone in the middle of NYC. Paint troubles once again. Um, they were fighting though. Uh, I'll give you that. They were playing hard defensively. Mitch was hustling his ass off down low. Cam came through with two very crucial baskets on the other end. Brunson was phenomenal for most of the quarter on offense. He scored 17 of his 30 points in the period. But again, it wasn't enough because Morant is is simply the best. He was simply the best basketball player on the floor last night because he is what, folks? A superstar. And the Knicks are unfamiliar with that term. They don't have one. Morant was knocking down jumpers. He was getting to the rim, getting to the line. The Knicks couldn't guard him. They had trouble guarding him. They were afraid to guard him tight because of the whistles he was getting. They were playing too loose on the perimeter because he's such a threat in dribble penetration. They wanted to make sure they could shut the drive down. But they'd even back off him when he did attack because they were afraid that he'd generate contact. Um, like that one possession where Morant ended up rebounding his own miss because both Robinson and Barrett backed off of him right underneath the basket. That, to me, was the turning point of, of the fourth quarter there. It was about 13 seconds left, and the Knicks were up one point after RJ had knocked down a pair of free throws. But they botched that defensive sequence big time there. You had Cam losing Morant on a cut. Morant does that you know, 360 acrobatic shit, misses the layup because he's blocked by Mitchell Robinson. But... As soon as that happened, they both immediately back off and boom. Morant grabs the board and he has enough space to put it right back in. And from there, the final 13 seconds, the Knicks did not score again. And it just completely changed momentum. Because right after that, Jalen Brunson had his two humongous opportunities to be the hero. And unfortunately, that could not happen. Um... You know, you remember a couple days ago, he couldn't cash in versus Portland. 
big shot in the final seconds. And then last night, he gets two really big opportunities. Um, one of them where the Knicks were down one point with just under 10 seconds left. Brunson crosses up uh, whoever the, the kid who was playing in for Bain, who was hurt. Conchar, he crosses him up, and he gets a good pull-up look in the mid-range, but he misses. And then the second one was when the Knicks were down two points with 1.6 seconds remaining. Brunson lets go of a floater, but it doesn't drop. Um, and so the Knicks lose. They lose, and we will be right back to talk about it. And uh, as I've said, we oh, we have a lot to get to. So stay with us, and we'll be right back. Hey, guys. So if you are a listener of the podcast often and you want to know where to find me on social media, you can find me on Facebook at BD4. You can find me on Twitter at BD4Pod. And you can also find me on Instagram at Rob J. Carbone. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Episode 442 of the podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, that last shot of the game, the final shot. Um, now, now, I was fine with the first one that Brunson took. I was fine with that. I thought he was open enough. He was able to create his own look. It just simply didn't fall. But I hated that final shot by him. Um, And it wasn't so much Brunson as it is Thibodeau's fourth quarter offense. Because we know Tibbs is not the most creative X's and O's coach. Um, I get that. He's not here for offense. Um, But the defensive part ain't even working. But it's just very frustrating seeing the same predictable isolation set being ran under Tibbs in those final seconds. You know, where four guys are, are spread outside the arc and one guy, usually Brunson now, just goes 1v1, right? Used to be Randall, but it's just now it's just give it to Brunson and pray. We're doing that instead of trying to execute an actual game plan, right? Maybe work a pick and roll. Use a ball screen to get into the lane. Uh, shit, even work a pick and pop with Randall because uh, you know I don't mind Randall taking the final shot if it's a spot up look and he's not on the ball trying to do all this point forward shit. That's where I have a problem with him taking that shot in the final seconds. But if you're setting him up, either getting him to cut to the rim or spotting him up in a pick and pop, I'm fine with that. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like we can do better than one v one. Draw something up. Design a set for those moments so we can go into it knowing what we're going to do. Even if it's not in an ATO, right? Even if we don't call a timeout, we don't have a timeout left or whatever. Plan something for those moments so we can do something there. Um, that said, Brunson was still magnificent last night. Um, I, I don't want to get that twisted. And he gets a Bing Bong Award from me. Bing Bong! He wins another Bing Bong Ball. I believe that's his, what, 13th in the year? <laughs> Which, through 20 games, pretty impressive. 30 points, 5 rebounds, 9 assists, 1 steal. Um, just 2 turnovers on the night for Jalen Brunson. And remember, he came into this game with, you know, he was questionable. But he, he's a tough kid. He played through that thigh injury. Um, and ended up producing his third third or fourth consecutive 30-point game. 
think it was his third. It's funny, you know, you, you know, you you don't see Brunson going two for fifteen out there when he's not one hundred percent. I'm just saying for all the uh, the Barrett apologists and excuse makers in this new, you know, trophy generation, we've got to stop that shit. You know, if you're out there, you're going to be evaluated. You're going to be held accountable. Um, so. Yeah, Brunson was was near perfect. He was perfect up until the final seconds. He was playmaking. He was scoring. He even rebounded a little bit last night. His ability to, we say this all the time, get into the paint is everything we'd be needing from point guard. Um, You know, we didn't get that with Burks. Kemba, obviously, didn't have the knees left. It's just so impressive and so refreshing to see. He's just very good. Brunson is at going downhill and, and using both his footwork and soft touch at the rim as he was doing last night. Uh, it's also impressive to see a guy of his size be able to be so capable in post-up. You know, we saw him take Morant there a few times. Um, and he gets to the line a shit ton. Six times a game. Last night he got there 11 times. So I, I just, you know, I just think maybe late in the game we can get him initiating some sets and you know, use him out there with maybe Cam or Grimes. So when the defense, this way, when the defense collapses on Brunson's drives, he's got two of those guys to use as kickout options, right? Be a little less predictable. And now the Grizzlies, you know, and other teams for that matter, with legitimate number one options, superstars, they're allowed to be a little predictable in those moments, right? They are allowed to. Like, the Knicks knew John Morant was getting the ball down the, down the stretch there. Sure. But he's a superstar. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, Jalen Brunson is, is decent. He's good. He's their closer, but he's also not a 30 points per game megastar either. Um, but still, uh, again, all in all, it was another very solid effort from the kid. He's He's been a game changer for the Knicks. As I have said, he's the Aaron Judge of the Knicks. Um... Without him, the Knicks are Jesus, five and fifteen, maybe even four and sixteen, instead of nine and eleven. Um, the last four games, Brunson has been on fire, and the Knicks are still just one and three during that span. What does that tell you? So, hopefully he's okay. Again, he battled through an injury and played, so hopefully he's healthy and doesn't miss any time. And if he does miss time, it, it, the season might start going down the drain, and we might we might we might start hearing that. Uh, the T word again. I mean, we hear that after every loss anyway. But I also thought RJ Barrett bounced back. Um, there was another bounce back from his other bounce back the other night. <laughs> 22 points for RJ. Seven rebounds, four assists, two turnovers. Shot nine for 17. Two of six from three. And made both of his free throws down the stretch there. Yeah, excellent production offensively last night. Very aggressive, efficient, running the break. You know, the early hot start, got the confidence going. That's always key. Um, It was one of those games that drives you crazy because you saw him finish so well. His touch at the rim last night was tremendous with those floaters and those difficult layups a couple of times through traffic. He just looked very, very composed at the rim. And it frustrates you because you think of all the other games where he looks like he has the worst touch in human history at the rim. But last night it was on, um, and he also knocked down a, a three-pointer early fourth quarter to cut the deficit from seven to three. I thought that was big. Um, 
or seven to four. But yeah, this was one of those games where you know I appreciate. But if I'm gonna be fair, you know, because I said it last episode when he had a bad game. RJ's ne- to me, he's not as good as he is when he's on, like last night. But he's also not as bad as he is when he's off, like the nights prior to. He's probably just going to be somewhere in between that, right? He's he's just he's a decent, okay player. That's that's just my opinion. He could get better, um, and way better. And I don't know, but I, I will say, as great as he was last night, about the three point shooting. At some point we have to realize he's not a knockdown shooter. Like, we've got to stop setting him up and feeding him these these spot-up threes as often as we do. Because we always see him out there spotting up, and we try to get him to the ball when he's open. But he's open for a reason. He's not open because the defense made a mistake. So we, we can't be doing this. We can't keep... We have to get him... Like, we got to cut that in half. Right now, he's averaging six three-pointers a game. We got to try and cut that in half. He can't be out there chucking up six, seven, eight three pointers sometimes. For a guy who's probably going to live anywhere in the 30, 35% range, we can't have him shooting that many. He should be taking two, three, maybe four sometimes tops. Throw him in his bread and butter area, play him in his niche, get him going downhill more often, use the bully ball. You know, cut him to the basket off the ball. Have him receive those dribble handoffs where he curls around those screens and attacks the hoop with the ball. He likes that. Let him work on his strengths because his strengths aren't exactly top-notch yet either. But it's why he's in the league. So let him improve on that. And, you know, at some point, I think we got to call a spade a spade. You know, and realize he's never going to be Clay Thompson. You know, you're in year four. You have, you know... You should have a good idea of what works for you at this point and what does not work for you. And at this point, you should know your limits. Model your game, your archetype after, you know, D-Wade, Manu Ginobili. Um, Brandon Roy, I think, is a fit comparison for RJ, right? Or watch the way your teammate Quentin Grimes plays, you know, when he's not having the ball. Like, it's just things like that frustrate me. Um, you know, he's also, of course, he's he has these games where he's not finishing well and he's forcing it down there. He's forcing drives and he's got to improve the tunnel vision. So it just comes down to decision-making with RJ a lot, right? Use that playmaking more. And, and to his credit, last night, he did. He chose the right times, went to attack the lanes and the right, right times to make that pass. I thought in the first quarter, RJ had a nice feed to Brunson on the break. Instead of driving into two defenders right in front of him at the top of the key there, he swung it to his right to Brunson for that elbow three. Um, He had that really nice pass and transition later in the game where the ball was just flying out of everybody's hands in a split second. It was like Mitch gets the board, throws to Brunson, to RJ, to Julius. It was like five-second zigzag transition play. Um, That was a good play. The fourth quarter, he fed Mitch on that lob coming off double screens. And then he had that skip pass to Obi Toppin when he attacked from the baseline going to the opposite corner. So he had some nice playmaking um, possessions. Um, and you just hope that he can continue to build on that. But I thought he was good. And I'm not. I'm just, I'm just not trying to treat him with kid gloves anymore. 
you know, it's again year four. He's twenty two year old. He's a twenty two year old man. Um, you know, he's 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 making the big bucks now too. So I, you know, all in all, I thought it was a very strong effort from RJ. Just needs some consistency, and um, we'll we'll see where it leads. Um, Randall, you know, fourteen points, ten rebounds, nine assists, one turnover. Four of nine shooting, one of five from three, five of six at the line. I liked his performance. I liked it. Um, I appreciate that Randall didn't force it. You know, it was one of his better all-around performances of the year. He made smart passes and took open shots. Um, and he set his teammates up by, by getting into the lanes and kicking out. Um, he also deferred to Brunson late, which was a good sign to see. And, you know, maybe the fact that he took less shots... And had the ball less is why, you know, that assist to turnover rate was so strong last night, nine to one. Um, so I'm gonna give him credit for all that, and I don't want to harp on too much of the bad stuff that I'm about to talk about and nitpick the fuck out of him. But I, I at the same time, I feel like I have to call out things that I don't like, man. I and 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 I'm sorry. There was some more, I guess we'll call it more Randall stuff in there last night. Um, <clears throat> hold on. Um, sorry. I still think there were a little too many jump shots. He took five threes. Uh, he only made one. He took six jumpers overall of the nine attempts. Um, there was also a lot of ISO on the perimeter. I wish he'd just play off the ball more often. We know that. It's, you know, it's like, dude, you're 6'8", 260. I just wish he'd use that bruiser of a body he's got. You know, I know Jackson has length, so maybe he wanted to avoid going down low more. But there were times where he had the mismatch on him and Brandon Clark. Um, but the offense was fine. It's, it's, it's usually the defense with me. And just the usual last night, getting sleepy at times, losing his man on the glass too often uh, getting beat back door last night again not making the simple effort to make the next rotation over or to close out on the arc and there was that one play that stood out to me last night where it was it was so brutal I, I wanted to scream and cuss at the top of my lungs um, and I would have if my parents hadn't been in the other room watching Yellowstone which was very good last night but it was a possession where I forget who it was, but you had Randall and two other Knicks standing there right on the baseline, closer to the basket. And whoever it was for Memphis was in the corner. Those three Knicks were staring at the open by friggin' 10 feet Grizzlies guy. And he takes his time and he shoots a three. I, I don't remember who it was. I don't remember if it even went in. But it just bothered me because nobody bothered to go over there and close out. And I'm singling out Randall because this is an often thing with him. Um, and again, overall, I thought he was fine. I had no big issues with his play. But at the same time, we are going over a game here and where the Knicks allowed 127 points. So that bad defense obviously had to come from somewhere. And last night, Randall was one of the culprits on that end, as he unfortunately is so often. Um, 
just it's little defensive mishaps like that makes such a dramatic difference in a close game, especially when it's just simply effort, right? Um, speaking of effort, Mitchell Robinson's effort last night, maybe his best game of the season. 16 points, 7 rebounds, 5 blocks, 6 of 7 from the floor, 4 of 7 from the free throw, and he was a plus 2 across 32 minutes played. Um, yeah, I mean, Steven Adams is a tough, tough assignment. You know, he's strong, he's bulky, and so is John Morant's obviously a tough assignment too for that matter. So Mitch put in a hell of an effort against those two guys. Um, you, you just saw from him last night a ton of hustle, a ton of energy, constantly working out there. Whether it was in the paint, on the glass, or out on the perimeter, I, I thought he was great. Um, I thought he was pretty disciplined and poised in terms of staying on his feet and not biting on those fakes. Yes, he had four fouls, but the majority of his foul woes came late in the game in the fourth quarter. He played most of this game very clean. Um, but yeah, he was stopping players from driving. And he was altering shots at the rim, which honestly needs to become an analytic metric because I feel like Mitch would be up there in that stat, altering shots. Um, but he kept the Knicks alive on the offensive glass. Four of his seven rebounds were on the offensive end. Um, and that's his forte. That's his game, right? At the end of the first half, we saw him battling that loose rebound with Stevens, and he ends up with it. Um, and also in the fourth quarter, where the Knicks were down eight points, Brunson misses that runner, Mitch grabs the board in traffic, and he was fouled. He knocks down one of the two free throws. Um, so he was working hard on the offensive glass. Still struggles on the defensive glass, though, and that was a thing last night. It was a big problem for the Knicks. Memphis was just killing it on the offensive glass in certain points. And again, Steven Adams is a huge, strong dude. Probably the strongest guy in the NBA. Mitch, simply not that strong. Um, and he needs to work on things like boxing out. I thought that was very evident last night. He struggled with that big time, unfortunately. Um, Adams is also just an offensive rebounding machine. And Mitch not being great on the defensive glass, that, that's a bad combination. Um, it it could have been aided, though. You know, we could have done something about it. Had Thibodeau went to Jericho for more than zero minutes last night. I, I want to talk about that. Um, I got some things to obviously say on, on Jericho Sims and Tibbs. Uh, as soon as we get back from break, stay with us. We'll be right there. BD4 is located on many different platforms. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you do there, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review. You can listen to it on Spotify, but you can also watch the podcast on both Spotify and YouTube. BD4 is available on many other platforms as well. All you got to do is search it up. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and much more. All right, welcome back to the show. Listen, at some point, Tibbs is going to have to make the switch, and it's got to be soon. You would have thought, that going up against Memphis and their, you know, style of, of downhill play, that Sims would have played a factor last night. No. Isaiah Hartenstein ended up playing 15 minutes, and Sims picked up a DNP. Hartenstein, again, just isn't great defensively. 
first off, he can't recover quick enough because he doesn't have as much athleticism and lateral movement like Jericho does. Seeing him in drop coverage is painful to watch. He's unable to defend the rim. He committed that and one foul on Clark last night. Guys are just going right through him at the basket. He runs like he's on his tippy toes. He clearly doesn't have the agility. Why does he keep playing? I know, because he hustles, right? Have you ever seen Sims play out there? The kid busts his ass. He's an athletic freak of nature who runs the floor like a guard. And don't tell me it's the offense. Hartenstein gives you a different look offensively. I mean, I mean, it's not like he's Dirk. I get it. He provides a little more spacing. Airballed a nice three last night. But he's got that floater. But what happens when the floater is off? Like last night, the floater wasn't there. He's just a liability because he isn't providing you with much else. So the, the real reason why he's playing still, I think, is just politics. That's why he plays. I think the Knicks are playing him because they're paying him $16 million. They should have never made that signing. I questioned it right away. I couldn't believe it. After seeing what Sims showed you at the end of last season, that he wouldn't even be given a fair shot to be the backup big. And he's been even better this year, but it doesn't matter. I would try moving Hartenstein at some point. I think you got to move him off. Sims actually has the Knicks, I looked it up last night, second best he has the second best player efficiency efficiency rating on the team. Brunson's first, and then Sims is Sims comes in second with a 19 per. You gotta play the kid. He plays defense. He can move. He can set screens. He opens things up for you. Um, let's get to our second Bing Bong ball, which is going off the bench to Cam Reddish. Bing Bong. I thought he was great. Um, Cam Reddish last night 11 points 2 assists a steal no turnovers 4 for 6 from the field 1 of 2 from the 3 point line 100% 2 of 2 at the free throw line it's his 3rd bing bong ball of the year he was a plus 4 last night to lead the team again just watching him weaving into the paint and finishing around traffic just so fascinating to watch him do that. Just get to the basket and finish like he can. It's impressive. It really is. Um, he's knocking down the three-point pretty well. He did both of that in the fourth quarter last night. Two big baskets. One from three. One he got to the basket. He was making good decisions with the ball all night. Was making that extra swing pass on the perimeter. Uh, he did nice defensively again. Though he had trouble you know, with fouls at points of this one. Um... You know, his long arms are always helpful. And last night we saw that again. He picked up the tech on Dylan Brooks after that dust-up between them. But right afterwards, um, he pokes it loose from LaRavia. And then he out-sprints Tyus Johnson in transition past half-court. Grabs the ball, and it leads to two free throws. So... Defensively, he was good. A lot of switching when he was tasked with Morant last night. A lot of times you saw Brunson go to him in that second half, but it was mostly Grimes and Mitch on Morant, uh, and they did an excellent job, especially in the first half. Um, Grimes in the point of attack. 
Mitch rotating out and then, you know, having the recover back down low. It was it was good. But all in all, from, from Cam Reddish, good defense from him last night and another good offensive input showing no signs of rust in his first game back. Um, I, I am just – I'm very, very curious now to see what this guard wing rotation will look like. You know, will it – because it's like – they're both back. So is Grimes going to remain in the starting lineup now? Or will Cam eventually go back in there soon? I know Tibbs and the front office values Quentin Grimes a lot. He's their guy. They kept him out of the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes. But do you think it's fair that Cam loses his starting spot, which he had earned just because he hurt his ankle for a couple games? I Listen, I like Grimes a lot. To me, though, right now, it just makes more sense for Grimes to find his footing off the bench because he's still searching for his shot. I mean, for as well as he's played, his main strength for the Knicks offensively, we still haven't seen yet. He is 23% on the year from three, and he's just 18% since returning to the starting lineup. Meanwhile... Cam has now scored in double figures in five consecutive games. Cam is starting to give me the same kind of vibes I get when Obi comes onto the floor. When Obi checks in, you feel like good things are about to happen. And they usually do. I'm starting to get that with Cam. Um, now, maybe you could say that Grimes is, is the smarter defensive player, is the better defender. He's able to work over screens quicker, and he moves better with the smaller, more traditional guards. But I do like Cam's size and length against those true wings. So I think with Cam's offensive consistency that he's hopefully maybe starting to find now, and his defensive versatility, I think I want him starting. Um, I, I do love the Cam Grimes lineups that we get, though. The two-way potential that has got is is you know positive um but yeah they also both of them did play 20 plus minutes last night so it worked yes but we also have to remember that was with Emmanuel quickly getting injured you know quickly ended up playing only nine minutes before leaving the game so we know you know D Rose returned last night and he was playing over Deuce so I mean, the Knicks ran 11 men out there at the end of the first quarter. I thought Deuce was going to be a part of the game, but he was just situational. So it looks like Rose is going to keep his spot over Deuce. I mean, that, that was confirmed last night in D-Rose's return, but we knew that. As little hope as I have there for Deuce, it sucks because I want to see him play. But unfortunately, it seems like it's going to be Hartenstein getting the bulk of the backup minutes at the five over Jericho. But when IQ is back... It's going to be very interesting to see how Tibbs' minutes distribution works because everybody else in the rotation last night got their normal minutes. Everybody else. Tibbs ran 10 men out there, and they all got their usual burn. So that's why I would try moving Derrick Rose's contract. Sure, do we lose that tertiary point guard? Yeah, but remember, 
Quentin Grimes, and this is something I want to take back what I said last episode or a couple of episodes ago, he can actually make some plays on the ball. Um, I'm not just talking about his assist numbers of late, which have been good. Eight assists against the Suns. Um, only one against OKC, but he had five against Portland and then four last night against Memphis. But this is also a kid who I completely forgot has been a point guard his entire life. He played point guard up until he went to play college ball at Houston. So he can play on the ball. I, you know, if they, I think if you eventually move Rose or you reduce his role even more, but I don't know, I mean, he's not even getting a ton of minutes already. I, I think it's just smarter to move him because I feel like Rose is so respected in this league. If Tibbs got a ton of criticism from benching Kemba Walker, which I thought was ridiculous, the criticism he got last year. If he does it with Rose, who's still very productive, I don't think it's going to go well to the media and it might just cause a shitstorm. It shouldn't have to be where we worry about the optics and everything, but that's just how the league works. I would try to just move him. Um, and again, if, if you need a stagger quickly, because quickly plays better when he's off the ball and doesn't have to primarily play make. If you got to stagger him with Brunson, give him more minutes with Brunson, you do that, and then you have him with Grimes the other moments. But I, at the end of the day, I just want what's best for this offense. I want to get the best out of the offense, and I feel like we could be getting a lot more from them. Um, so I think that, that, that rotation is going to be interesting if, if Quickly's back next game. It really is. Um, I, I yeah I, I I feel like there's there's more with this offense. They've been good this year, but there's still, obviously the shooting, the spacing is still too clunky for me, and that a lot has to do with the starting lineup with Barrett and Randall together. They are a tandem that just doesn't seem fit for each other. It just doesn't seem to work. There's too much ISO, too much guys going into the paint. Not enough offense within the flow of the game sometimes. Not enough cutting off the ball there. And when RJ is off, he presses and forces his drives. And when Randall is off, he's forcing heat check threes. When he's on, sorry. Or when he thinks he's on. It just feels like it's way too much your turn, my turn type with them. And they're also not very good defensively. There was a stat I heard last night when listening to a podcast... I don't remember the specific numbers, but I do remember hearing this. The Knicks' net rating when RJ is on the floor without Randall is positive. It's also positive when Randall's on the floor without RJ. But when both of them share the floor together, it's a negative net rating. And I wouldn't be shocked if it was like that last year, the year before, and the year before that. But this year, I feel like you already have Brunson, who's going to be on the ball, taking the point guard duties. And you have two other guys who now want it. It's just not a great mix. It leads to poor efficiency. Um, so I, you could try staggering them a little more, but I think eventually the Knicks might have to make a decision on who you want to keep around. Um, moving Randall, if you can, would be great. Uh, but I, I just don't have a feeling he's going to be moved. His contract just started, and I don't know. But I, I just, the, the spacing... If we don't get the best out of Cam Reddish, I feel like, because when Cam is on the floor with those two, he doesn't get a lot of looks. Too many possessions go by where he doesn't touch the ball, even if he's rolling. 
You know, I think if we set Cam up in some ISOs and feed him off cuts, he could be pretty good and effective. But I don't know. I, I'm talking offense when the Knicks gave up 130-something points last night or 127. That was the real issue. Um, so, unfortunate. Another loss. The Knicks can, couldn't defend the paint um, as I expected. And so, that's it. We'll take a break, come back, and we'll wrap this show up. Stay with us. Be right there. We also have a website now for BD4. If you go to BD4blog.com, you can find the blog, the podcast links, and also where to find me on social media. Just go to BD4blog.com. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. All right, welcome back to the show. Episode... 442 of the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. We'll wrap it up here with our NYY, NYK, MMA trivia question of the day. True or false? On top of being a seven-time All-Star, Walt Frazier was seven-time All-Defense. True or false? On top of being... A seven-time All-Star. Walt Frazier was seven-time All-Defense. Let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. One final time. True or false, on top of being a seven-time All-Star, Walt Frazier was seven-time All-Defense. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for stopping by, and I will catch you in the next episode. Hopefully we're talking about a win against the Pistons, the shorthanded Pistons, on Tuesday night. All right, later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor.